Anne-Marie Bonneau has lived plastic-free since 2011. She's a cookbook author, blogger, fermenter, and expert sourdough baker. Through social media, her book and her cookbook titled The Zero Waste Chef, Plant Forward Recipes and Tips for a Sustainable Kitchen and Planet, Anne-Marie shows others how reducing their trash not only benefits the planet, but also satisfies their taste buds improves their well-being, and boosts their bank accounts. She is a Canadian and lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. This is the Vegan Family Kitchen Podcast. I'm your host, Brigitte Jem, and I hope you will enjoy this conversation with Anne-Marie as much as I have. Welcome to my Vegan Family Kitchen. This is the podcast and YouTube channel version, and I am very honored and excited today to have a special guest, Anne-Marie Bonneau, the Zero Waste Chef. Hi, Anne-Marie. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Brigitte. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. And I would like to um, have you introduce yourself and tell me more and tell um, the audience more about what does the Zero Waste Chef do? Oh, okay. Uh, so I started all of this back in 2011. I started reading about plastic pollution in the oceans and I recycled everything and I thought, well, it's being made into new things and I'm doing the right thing. You know, plastic is bad, but recycling is good. And then I learned that the oceans are filled with plastic and it's swirling around and harming wildlife and they're feeding it to their babies and it's heartbreaking. And I remember telling my daughter, she was 16 at the time, my older daughter, I said, we have to get off of plastic. You know, this is just, this is horrible. And a lot of it is for things we don't even need. So she said, great, let's do it. And love it, it was, it was really hard. It was, oh, yeah, it was really hard, though. We, we had our first trip to the grocery store. And everything was in plastic. And I remember standing in the bathroom tissue aisle with her and I just said, this is impossible. We're, we're never going to be able to do this. So she started doing all the research. Mary Catherine was the one who, you know, figured it all out. And uh, we just slowly made all of these switches, started shopping at the farmer's market religiously. We're in Northern California, so we're completely spoiled. We have year round <laughs> amazing farmer's markets. You are. Oh, we are. Yeah. I mean, I have a lemon tree in the backyard. When I want a lemon, I just go pick a lemon. That is nice. That is special. Yeah. And then it just snowballed from there. Uh, I think being aware of the plastic waste, which is most of the waste, made me aware of all other kinds of waste. And I read a couple of years after that about how much food we waste. So up to 40% of the food we produce in the U.S goes uneaten, which is astonishing. Um, so, and it, and it keeps changing, you know, it keeps new challenges like COVID come up, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it's been fun. You know, it was really hard at first, but it was, it was fun. And, and you decided uh, and to start a blog about it. Yeah. So Mary Catherine actually started a blog first back then in 2011, and she called it the Plastic Free Chef. And then she went away to university in Canada, because we're Canadian, we live in the States, and she just found it too hard to keep up. And so I asked her, can I take it over? Because I loved her blog. And she said, no, start your own blog. <laughs> so I started my own blog, and that was in 2014. And yeah, it just kind of grew from there. and. Now I have a book out and uh, I'm all over social media. And did you, were you a chef before? Was that no, your no, no. background at all? No, no. It, yeah, it's just, it was a cute name for the blog. Yeah. Mary Catherine is more of a chef, like a real, you know, she's worked in kitchens and has done serious catering. She would, when she was working at this one, um, kitchen. They did a lot of catering here. And she'd tell me her list of what she had to bake that day. And 
you know, it was crazy. Like, I have to make 42 pies and 300 cookies. <laughs> wow. So, no, not not a real chef. Self-taught, self-taught uh, and obsessed with food. Well, that is a good, certainly a very good place to start. And I'd like to take a step back um, because you've told me a little bit, uh, you know, 2011, becoming aware, along with your daughter, of, of the burden of plastic pollution in particular on our planet and us. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about how we got ourselves into such a pickle? Like, how, how come did we get there? Um, why, why did we even let that happen, if I can put it that way? Um, do you have any? Huh. Well, a, a very wise friend of mine always tells me when we're discussing things like this or politics or whatever, follow the money. So I'm sure if you do that in the fifties in the U S uh, Vermont had a bottle bill in, in the state. And that was going to force the canning companies, bottlers, to to reuse bottles uh, because yeah. pollution was starting to become a problem. And so a bunch of big companies got together and formed a coalition and they killed the bottle bill. And today they're called Keep America Beautiful. <laughs> You're kidding. So, no, no, That's it's the much. first... Yeah, it's the first example of, of greenwashing. Like, I think it's got to be. They came up with the ad of the, it's called the crying Indian. Uh, in the 70s, there's a man who's actually, a, I think he's Italian, the actor, but he's dressed up, supposed to be Native American, and he watches people throw garbage out of the window of their car, and a tear goes down his cheek. And they invented the term litter bug, and they really pushed the onus of cleanup onto consumers. They produce Wait. all of this garbage and tell us it's our fault that there's litter Wait. everywhere. And, you know, there used to be in the small town I grew up in, there was a Coca-Cola bottling facility and those were everywhere. Well, that's a lot more expensive to run than just single use cheap plastic Oil is subsidized. Sure. Plastic is made out of oil. I mean, so it's a lot cheaper if you have zero responsibility to clean up and just produce all this garbage. Um, so I think that's I think that's how we got here. Right. Just greed. It's the magic greed. of externalities. You know, if it's not on your balance sheet, it's someone else's problem, and you don't need to care about it. Right. 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 And then the and then plastic the big plastic they and and corporations like nestle they push their stuff onto developing countries so in developing countries they really push these sachets like in india you get a sachet for everything it's like a single use packet for shampoo oh, yes, yes. conditioner whatever and these countries don't have facilities they don't have waste management i mean our waste management is broken over here at least it exists, right? <laughs> but it's not working. But they don't even have the facilities there, and and then we ship all of our plastic to them. China has stopped that, but you know we're shipping it to other countries. Um, so it's not just you know some people think oh this whole plastic free thing is just some sort of uh, minimalist aesthetic thing. Well, it's not. It's it's. It's a huge problem. Yesterday, the UN, was it? Yeah, the UN um, decided they're going to make a, a binding pact with around the world to do something about not just plastic pollution, but production and design, because it has to stop at the source. Right. Cleaning up, it's ridiculous. Like we, we can't recycle our way out of this mess. That's for so sure. I don't know if I answered your question. No, no, no. That's I'm like all riled up now. <laughs> that that's okay. I mean, there's lots of reasons to be angry, and I think it's a it's a good place to start um, because the problem has become very big. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's it is massive. Um, 
so tell me a little bit more about specifically the zero waste lifestyle and how does one go about living and it, it's like being vegan there's no such thing as being perfect it's impossible i mean the computer yeah, yeah, yeah. using has bits of animal in it uh, you know car tires everything um so i'm supposing it's also about aiming and doing as right. much as you can but tell me a little bit about what it what it means and what it looks like to live a zero waste lifestyle um within one's capacity okay well to me it means not sending anything into landfill or even recycling uh but maybe maybe that i mean i do put some things in the recycling you know paper uh but i don't buy things in in plastic tubs and stuff but i mean recycling it's you should do it <laughs> you know if if you do buy something in a bottle or a plastic tub do put it in the recycling bin because it depending on what it's made out of you know it it might be recycled so uh yeah it's and just at least trying yeah yeah right um yeah. yeah because like glass and aluminum they have higher higher rates of recycling and some types of plastic have higher rates i think number one and number two number one anyway right. um But you're so, really trying to aim toward not having any of those yeah, yeah. non-reusables at all, right? That's that's what you're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just, you know, consuming less stuff. I think that's sort of the key to it. But like you said, you, you can't be perfect. Even if I don't bring anything home from the, um, the grocery store, you know, yesterday I, I bought some emmer wheat berries and some tea and I brought my cloth bags and I didn't bring home any trash. Well, that food got to the store somehow. You know, it didn't it didn't arrive in a, I don't know, like a tub that they dumped. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't just wave a wand and fill the bulk bin. That brought yeah. one grain of wheat at a time into the store. Right, right. Yeah, so the stuff arrived at the store in plastic Uh, maybe paper, but I'm assuming plastic. So hmm. even if I don't bring any waste in, there's still waste in the in the supply chain. So, so what does it look like for, for example, grocery shopping? Like how? I mean, I I do a conscious effort to reduce my plastic waste, in particular, my waste in general. Um, but whenever I go to the grocery store, there's inevitably some that comes home. So what does it look like for you? when you shop for your, your groceries for the week? How do you uh, do things differently so that you manage to get your waste down? Well, so it took me a few months to, to get it down, you know, after we started this. Uh, I take my cloth produce bags to the farmer's market. I put them in my shopping bag, so I always have them. And I have a ton of them. I made them out of old sheets and, and you know, just fabric scraps I had sitting around so they didn't cost me anything and it's not necessary to buy the no little reusable bag no no yes. no i i mean i save money living this way i i don't buy all the nice beautiful stuff like my my garden is not instagram worthy <laughs> my, it, it my garden defeat the purpose yeah 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 you know and and I wanted some nice backgrounds a few years ago for taking photos. And I thought, well, I, I can't buy them. I mean, I can't go out and buy backgrounds to take pictures and say, you know, so yeah. Um, but so I, the farmer's market, I think made a big difference because here I can't even get a head of cauliflower at the grocery store without plastic. It's impossible. Mm. They're all covered in plastic. Right. Um, So at the farmer's market, it's all loose and it's delicious. Unless I grow up myself, I can't get produce that tastes better. And more of my dollar goes to the farmer. About 90 cents of every dollar I spend at the farmer's market goes to the farmer. And at the grocery store, it's about 15 cents. Wow, that's a massive difference. Yeah, that 15 cent number is from The Guardian from an article a few months ago and the 90 cent figures from this uh, farming association here in the US. So yeah, it's a huge difference. There's one farmer at the market 
who told me that the farmer's market saved his family farm. Oh, I can see that. Yes. Yeah. It's enabling them to have much more reasonable margins than. Oh, yeah. But they would yeah, get and plus, the wholesaler. You know, the food doesn't look perfect at the farmer's market because food doesn't grow perfectly. You know, the apples are different sizes and kind of wonky, and that's fine. I mean, it all tastes delicious. So, um, and because we cut the plastic, we cut highly processed food. Because right. that's all the stuff that comes in the shiny packages. And so about two weeks into this, I realized, oh, I'm not eating any more processed food. Not that I ate a ton of it, but now I don't buy, you know, don't buy any of it. So I eat a lot more vegetables than I used right. to. Because so if you want to get package free. Yeah, they're easy. And if I want that's a great. snack, you know, I'll have an orange. It's orange season right now. I've never eaten so many oranges in my life. People keep giving me bags of oranges. <laughs> that is nice. Better than zucchini. I mean, nothing against zucchini, but you know how in July there's every yep, farmer is yep, trying yep, to yep. offload his zucchini crop? Well, I, I'd rather have the oranges. That sounds awesome. Oh, it's really nice. Yeah. So if I want a snack, I have an orange. And in the old days, I'd probably reach for a box of crackers or maybe what cookies. About, what about um, other staples like beans, grains, maybe bread, um, trying to think of other stuff in the kitchen, nuts and seeds. Uh, what do you do about those? So I, I'm lucky I can get those in bulk. I can right. get, there are, uh, let's see. So there's the bulk store I rode to yesterday. It's really close. There's another one I like better. It's a little farther away. And then there's a bulk heaven in San Francisco, Rainbow Grocery. You can get everything. They have about 12 types of miso in bulk. Wow. They have tofu in bulk, um, all kinds of fermented foods. I make my own fermented food, but if if I wanted to, I could just buy them there. Uh, but I haven't been in there uh, for a long time. All kinds of spices and tea and honey and maple syrup. You know, I, I am Canadian, so. You have to have priorities. I guess you could, yeah, you could refill. You bring your own containers? Is that yeah, how yeah. it goes? Yep. You bring your own containers. The store has scales all over. And you put your jar on the scale to mark the tear, the weight mm. of the jar, so that after you fill it, the cashier will deduct the weight of the jar because you don't want to pay right. for the weight of the jar. Jars Especially are heavy. not a mason jar. No, it's almost a pound, isn't it? It's like oh, yeah, two yeah. thirds of a pound. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think the big ones. So, uh, yeah, so I just, I get my bulk stuff there and I, you know, I love to cook, so I make all kinds of staples. I ferment a lot of food, which adds tons of flavor. Right now in the refrigerator, I have preserved lemons, sauerkraut, kimchi, uh, oh, uh, fermented jalapenos. Nice. Oh, they're so good. Yeah, from oh, last summer. They add, they add tons of flavor, just... Uh, oh, I have some fermented tomato juice, which is really good to add to soup. Or you can just drink it. Fermented tomato juice. I don't think I've had that before. Yeah. What is that like? So in the summer, I fermented a bunch of tomatoes, which is really mm -hmm. easy. You just crush, you add salt and you crush them and you cover them. And within a couple of days, they start to bubble. Oh, and you stir them a few times a day. Right. Or maybe five times a day. Because you don't want calm yeast to form, which is, mm -hmm. it's not bad, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's not good, it, but it won't, it, you know, it won't it kill won't you kill or you. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's annoying. Um, and it can change the flavor. So you stir it a few times a day and then, you know, I'd have to look up my recipe. I think around day five, maybe they're ready. And last summer I did this a few times. I strained the tomatoes to make tomato paste, fermented tomato paste. And then I was left with this juice and it's absolutely delicious. I can't believe how delicious it is. It's just tomatoes and salt. And it's, wow. if you let it ferment for a while, it becomes slightly alcoholic, maybe fairly alcoholic, not, not as alcoholic as a beer, but right. I mean, definitely alcoholic, but uh, oh yeah, it just tastes amazing. and. So those types of things that add so much flavor to dishes. Right. That See, 
my my instinct when I hear fermentation uh, is to worry just a little bit. Um, am I am I right that there's a learning curve to make yeah. sure you poison yourself and your family? So it's really hard to poison yourself and your family. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when I first started, I thought the same thing. I made sauerkraut and I thought I'm going to kill everybody by accident. Right. But it's it's safer than um you know other types of meal preparation because the good bacteria on the vegetables they produce an acidic environment that kills any bad bacteria that might get in there right the the things that can go wrong mold can develop on top so when you make sauerkraut or any ferment you have to have all of the foods submerged in liquid right if you do that mold's not going to form I but see. if you have a few pieces of cabbage poking out the top of the liquid, some mold can form. And so that's happened to me, I don't know, on sauerkraut, I, I think once. Right, okay. May, so maybe twice, like it's really rare. Um, so uh, the other thing that can go wrong, if it's not submerged, then those vegetables, they may not go moldy, but they might rot. They might turn brown and mushy. Right, right. You can just peel them off. And okay. So, so yeah, super safe. Batch. No, 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 no. Okay. So yeah, very, very safe. What I hear, and tell me if you think that's about right, but is that if you're going to try to reduce your waste and, and do things um, to take advantage of what's in season, there might be a little bit of time invested as well when, you know, things are popping out in the garden, for example, to preserve food. Mm-hmm. Is that, do you think that's a big part of living that zero waste lifestyle? Yeah, I do. I think planning, planning and, and being patient are a big part. Yep. Right. Um, it's like my, my garden too, right now. I have all of these cuttings growing. I have a couple of fig tree cuttings. Nice. Yeah. And uh, another tree and a rose bush and a bunch of things I picked up at our garden share on the weekend. And if I wanted to get my garden filled up quickly, I could go to the garden store, the nursery and right. spend hundreds or even thousands of dollars and bring home all of this plastic and garbage because the nurseries are filled with plastic. Yep. It's, it's ironic. I mean, it just, you know, you see like a nice plant growing in a piece of fossil fuel. Yeah, exactly. It's not right. Um, anyway, uh, but I mean, you can't be perfect. But anyway, I, 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 yeah, yeah. So I've got this crazy looking yard right now. <laughs> but, you know, in the summer, it's going to look a lot better. It will it's pay month, off. You know, months away, maybe years away. You know, my trees are, I'm looking at one of my trees now. My trees are going to take a long time, but um, anyways, yeah, it's the, I think that's, you ha you do have to plan ahead. I love fermented food, but if I'm craving it, I have to wait a few days before it's ready, at least a few days. So, I, I think you're touching on what's maybe the, the key of, I think, you know, on the one hand, how we got in here, in my opinion, you're for sure the, the corporate greed, but there's, it's also responding to uh, a market demand for convenience, right? And there's lots, you know, socially oh, yeah. that's happened to lead to that. Uh, but mm -hmm. clearly if you crave fermented jalapenos, <laughs> you know, you can either wait until summer when your jalapenos are, you know, ready to harvest and then ferment them and then you will have them, which is not exactly right this minute. Uh, and this is the complete opposite of, of the prime one click by where oh, things, yeah. you know, just appear on, on our door. And in the same way, you know, you could live zero waste with having just rice and beans and maybe chili powder on top of it. And you would be living zero waste, but most people would have no patience for that because we like a little bit of more excitement in our life. But then if you want to have those other components is where you need to start planning a little bit more. Would you say that's that's about right. Like if, if the, the convenience um, needs to be worked out of the system a little bit, if you want to have the same varied diet and the same um, varied experience, like having a garden, for example. 
Yeah, yeah, convenience plays a huge role. And like you said, there are all sorts of social reasons for that. I mean, I've, I actually haven't written this on my blog. I, I wrote a draft. I should post that. You know, yeah. I think if we, if we raise the minimum wage, it would reduce all kinds of waste. If people totally. could, could earn enough money to take care of themselves and their families, you know, they'd have time to cook and eat properly and, and not yeah. have to go through drive through and idle their cars. I mean, it's just, yeah. So, Absolutely. uh, yeah, if you're it's, running it's after like, two jobs just to make ends meet at the end of the month. You can't possibly uh, be thinking about all those beautiful zero waste innovations right. that we're talking about here. Right. Um, yeah. You're just, you're just surviving. So, um, it, it, the whole system just kind of keeps self-perpetuating and the, yeah, this said, I mean, worse. not everyone. Um, I think there's a lot of people uh, out there that have the means to not chase the convenience. And for whatever reason, we choose to do different things, like sometimes scrolling social media. I don't know anybody who does that. <laughs> I, that would never happen. No, me, me neither. No, no exactly. Right. But I think, I think we also make some choices in what we make ourselves busy with. Um, and I mean, as, as your example shows, you can decide to get a kick out of making your own ferments and that's a nice activity to have too. Yeah. I mean, and once you start, so I have to warn people, once you start, you can't, you can't go back. It, it, it grows just on tastes, you. <laughs> it tastes so good. Plus I'm the healthiest I've ever been. I think probably in my life, I used to get sick. You know, my, my kids are grown now. So, you know, this is just anecdotal evidence right, right right you're not exposed to the preschool germ pool anymore right right but even when they were still so charlotte was 10 when i started all of this mary catherine was 16. so mary catherine probably wasn't no she was still getting sick colds and flus anyway um yeah after a couple of years into this i realized oh i haven't had a cold or the flu in two years that's fantastic. so and i tell people results may vary I'm not making any sort of health claims. No, no. I can just tell you from my experience, you know, fermented foods do improve your immunity and they are great for your gut health, which affects your overall health. So, um, and I started eating more vegetables, like I said at the beginning. That's so wonderful. Yeah, no, definitely upping your vegetable is something that absolutely everyone can benefit to anyway. I mean, mom was right. Eat your broccoli. It's good for you. And it tastes good. That's <clears throat> conversation for another day. I, I'd like to hear um, what your best tips would be for somebody who's just getting started, uh, you know, aiming to be zero waste, perhaps one day, or at least, you know, getting on the journey in that direction. How do you um, orient beginners in this? Well, first of all, I would say, uh, don't worry about being perfect, because, you know, it's not possible. Don't let the zero freak you out. Just, you know, just try to reduce your waste. Uh, but the, the one thing I think that is really helpful is to learn to cook with what you have on hand. Because if you do that, you're going to reduce food waste because you'll eat more of the food you have on hand and you'll reduce your packaging waste because chances are that some of that food came in packaging and you'll save money and, you know, there's really no downside to doing that. You don't have to go out and buy fancy equipment, you know, make some soup with whatever vegetables you have on hand. I made some really good soup this week with a bunch of cabbage. Mm. And uh, let's see, I put, uh, you know, onions and, um, oh, cumin, cumin seeds. Yeah. Onions, cumin seeds, and a whole bunch of cabbage and some spelt berries. Nice. There's, yeah, yeah. I I love I love wheat berries. I mostly grind them up for flour for my sourdough, but uh I also love to cook them and throw them in soup or a salad. They're kind of they kind of pop in your mouth when you bite into yeah, them, right? Yeah, yeah. They're they're chewy and they're super good for you. Yeah, I bought more emmer wheat berries yesterday. And and then I, I what else did I put in that soup? I I can't remember. 
Well, anyway, at the when I ate it, I put in a bunch of sour, oh, potatoes, had potatoes. Uh, and then I served it with sauerkraut uh, mixed in. Usually I add vinegar. I had my homemade wine vinegar, which is another thing I could go on about for a long time. Uh, but this time for the acid, I put sauerkraut. I mean, it was delicious. And I made it with just, you know, like a few scrappy things I had around. Totally. And, uh, oh, chickpeas. So I buy dried chickpeas. Meal there. Yeah, yeah. It was delicious. Very nice. Yeah, so as you say, cooking with what you have is maybe the number one. Yeah, yeah. I So I used to be, when my kids were little, before I started this, I would look up a recipe and write down the ingredients, go to the store and buy all the stuff and cook it. And I don't know, uh, they probably turn their nose up at some of it. Um, and then I put the leftovers in their fridge and all of the little bits and pieces from prepping. Yeah. And if you do that a few times a week, you have a whole pile of leftovers and little ingredients. So now I look at the refrigerator and see, oh, okay, like this week, oh, I've got this cabbage I need to eat and I have onions because I almost always have onions. Um, and I have, oh, look, these spelt berries. Um, I, I see some soup coming together. Right. I think having a reasonably well-stocked pantry stocked with healthy ingredients is also a little bit upstream of this, right? Where your those things are in your fridge. But I, I, I run this thing a couple times a year. People can sign up for it anytime on my website called the Vegan Pantry Challenge, right? Where you go and you take everything out of your fridge, your pantry, mm. your freezer, you look at everything, you toss, you know, things are spoiled. Don't, you know, don't keep them. <laughs> don't put them no, right no. back. Um, get rid of them and then try to go i don't mean to go all the way down to having only jalapenos and pasta for dinner uh, but try to cook from what you have and even if i'm reasonably conscious and well organized and i try to cook you know cook down every week my inventory even when i do it i find lots of ingredients that i had neglected and that might otherwise have gone bad right i think we accumulate a lot of stuff from that one recipe that we did that day that we bought this special ingredient for, and then we never used it up after that. So I, I totally agree with you. That's the key. Um, yeah, I think that, yeah. Yep, yeah, I think that would uh, really slash a ton of food waste and packaging waste. And, and you get a nice meal out of it. Yeah, totally. Any, any other tips to get started, how people should get organized with zero waste cooking? Well, I would say start with the big things. When I give talks, inevitably I'll have hear questions like, okay, um, I want to cut my plastic, but what, I, what do I do about my prescriptions? They all come in plastic bottles, you know, what do I do about those? Well, keep taking them, just don't worry about it. You know, you right. need your medicine. There are some pharmacies, you know, like Maybe, two. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I know there's one in, I think, Nova Scotia. And they're, oh, really? yeah, they have refillable glass. It's really rare. So, right. you know, that's, that's a tiny amount of plastic of your overall plastic likely. So worry about the big stuff. You know, if you're drinking bottled water, switch to tap water. And if you're, if you live in an area where the, you know, you need to filter it, then install a, a filter. Right. Going uh, for the low-hanging fruits. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Right? Yeah, don't focus on these little tiny things. Um, just 20 yeah, start with the easy stuff. 20% of the effort for 80% of the results. Exactly. Be true, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, I'm quite happy that some medical supplies do not get reused. <laughs> you know, so it, we got to keep plastic for what it's really important for. Not for drinks and beverages. Right, right. And and we're consuming, we're consuming plastic from those drinks and beverages. You know, there's microplastic in a bottle of water. I read in the Guardian maybe last year or the year before. A bottle of water has about 40 pieces of microplastic in it. And a cup of tea. There was a study out of McGill a few years ago, and that was horrified, horrified the internet. Um, a cup of tea brewed with one of those synthetic 
tea bags. Oh yeah, the really nice silky ones. Yeah, yeah, like they're yes, all yes. fancy. <laughs> a cup of tea has something like 11 billion pieces of microplastic in it from those bags. It's it how yeah, do you think that was a good idea? Like it's well, it's it's all about up, your mind. There, it, it looks fancier, and so the companies can charge more. And I mean, it's all about boosting profits. You can only charge so much for a tea bag or a cup of tea. But if you put it in this fancy, you know, silk—it's not really silk, but silk-like material. People right. think it's silk. It's it's better. Yeah. So that so they can charge more. Oh, that's okay. We have to keep on plugging away. <laughs> well, yeah, loose leaf tea. I bought loose leaf tea yesterday in bulk. It was oh, yeah. it was cheap or cheaper. Oh, right. It was cheaper and I think it tastes better. I think, you know, you would like that. When I uh, cut a pineapple, I used to be really, really careful, you know, to get the skin out and get all the eyes out. Now I just hack it kind of quickly and I dehydrate the pineapple rinds as skins. I don't know if they have a special wow. name in my dehydrator in chunks with a little bit of uh, like a big chunk of ginger. And if I happen to have an orange, I slice the orange really finely. And when it's all dry nicely, I put that in the Vitamix just, you know, to blend it together a little bit. I don't want to make it into fine powder, but just into smaller chunks. Sort of chunky. That makes an awesome fruit tea. It's so good. That sounds it's really, really nice. Good. And that way I don't have to worry about, because I was feeling bad about the pineapple. That was really the reason for this. Right? Oh, they're like, so hard to, yeah. Totally. If you want to, you know, save every last bit of pineapple free, but I was like, I don't need to anymore because it goes in my tea. So at least I get a second use of the pineapple. Yeah, yeah. It's really yummy. Well, I, I have a recipe for a tapachi in my cookbook. It's a pineapple, fermented pineapple drink made with rinds. Very rinds, nice. of course. Yeah, it's really good. Do you have your cookbook with you? Can you show us? Oh, yeah, I have the I've US... ordered my copy, but it hasn't arrived yet. Oh, thank you. Uh, this is the U.S. copy. The The Canadian version is a little bit different. Oh, I think the Canadian a... version has a picture on top. Yeah, it has a picture. We like pictures. Yeah, but the inside, they're the same, the okay. interior. Looks awesome. When, when was the cookbook published? Uh, last year, April okay. of 2021. Wonderful. Thank you. Congratulations. And I will recommend oh, everybody go and look that up. I had some questions from uh, members of my audience. Uh, what about vegetables that come in a package that you don't want, but you really want the veggies? Like uh, anything that comes in a clamshell, for example, is, is really the bane in terms of recycling. What do you do about that? I can get just about everything at the farmer's market. Um, so cherry tomatoes, blueberries and strawberries, blackberries, I can get them all there. So, you know, I'm, I'm spoiled. Like, so that's Maybe what I do. Season would have some in season. Yeah. Yeah. I eat them in season. So that's another part of this is eat seasonally. Uh, the food tastes better. It's, it's better for you. It hasn't been shipped across, you know, halfway across the world unripe. And, right. and then gassed with ethylene gas to ripen it quickly. Right. So enjoy so, your berries if you're in Canada when it's June, July, August, maybe September, and then look forward to next yeah, year. Yeah. So I eat, eat berries, berries and stone fruit in the summer. It's all so good. Uh, and then in Fresh the fall, apricots. we get, pardon me? Fresh apricots. Oh yeah, fresh apricots. I used to have an apricot tree. Oh. I died. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like picking candy. You would pick oh, a yes. warm, uh, warm apricot in the sun. And incredible. Right. But so the rest of the year, I mean, do you find that you um, either freeze or otherwise preserve a lot of the, I mean, you're in California, it doesn't count. Um, but would you say that's a big part of the strategy for somebody who lives up north in particular and wants to keep enjoying those things year round? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, freeze and preserve stuff. Uh, in the summer, or actually in the fall, at the end of tomato season, I usually buy cases of early girl dry farm tomatoes. They're small 
and they're the farmers water them when they plant them and then they don't water them all season and oh. so the tomatoes are stressed they get water from the fog their moisture from the fog that right. rolls in here uh but that's it. that's it and so they're distressed and they're small and they're have an intense sweet fabulous right. flavor so i buy cases of them when the price drops at the end of the summer and i roast them slowly i quarter them depending on how big they are add some smashed garlic sometimes roast them slowly no olive oil or anything else and then uh, when they're done i put them in jars and i freeze them and so i usually buy about at least a couple of cases two or three cases but this this summer i i missed it um the farmer i usually buy them from stopped going to the one market oh. yeah and i missed the market you know near the end i don't know i i blame covid yeah and i mean there's a lot of stuff i found this year um and definitely not a local fruit for us but mangoes kind of did not happen this year oh um, really there's that window of opportunity where we normally yep. get really yep, yep, nice yep. uh a tofu mangoes you know the yellow honey ones and this year they just didn't show up. And I noticed because on my meal plan uh, in the winter, they kind of come up in a couple of weeks when it's usually the high season to get them. And they come from Mexico, but, and I think there was some COVID related problems mm. and like supply chain, and there might've been a bug that killed some of the mango trees. I don't know, uh, but yeah, the, it's, it's been a little bit, I think we're good. And I, I hate to say those things because it tends to depress people. But I think we're going to need to get a little bit more flexible in terms of our appreciation of produce as um, climate change rolls in. So. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, we're going to. Gonna... Um, speak. Uh, we talked about clam shells. Um, something I'm guilty of. I put on the meal plans uh, canned tomatoes, and to me, being in the north, that's the one way to enjoy things that are. Um, in like a tomato sauce, like a chili oh, yeah, or something yeah. like that, right? Mm -hmm. in, in the winter, um, I don't have a big freezer, so I'm not, you know, my mother has a big chest freezer and she had 35 plants of tomatoes last summer and she freezes, she lives by herself and she freezes all her tomatoes and she tends to start running out in June, <laughs> you know, of the wow. following year. Wow. But that's not something I have. So any luck with canned tomatoes? That was another question from one of my, of my subscribers. Well, I mean, at least you can recycle the cans. Right. Um, I, I do the, the tomatoes I described. And that, right, that's right, my right. replacement for canned tomatoes. I but, love that. Yeah, that's just, you, you yeah. talked about it and it sounded delicious. Yeah, yeah, um, they're, oh, they taste so good. Uh, somebody asked about uh, tips for making, if you have any vegan yogurt and making tofu, have you tried those? Making well, your tofu. tofu is a plastic offender. Um, oh yeah, 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 and uh, I, I yeah, yeah. All of this plastic, it's also filled with toxins, and you know, it gets into the food. And um, yeah, I've made my own tofu. I have the recipe on my blog. And the trick to making tofu is buying the the coagulant. You right. can make it with Epsom salt, and it's pretty good. It's softer. But if you can find nagari, mm -hmm. I think that's um, it, it makes really good tofu. It's it's yeah. firmer. And so chloride, magnesium chloride nagari, I think, right? Uh, that sounds right. I, th I think that's what it is, because there's calcium sulfate. And the other thing that I just said, I think those are the two main coagulants. That sounds right. Um, people have told me they've used lemon juice. Uh, I haven't tried that, though. I think that would be really mm -hmm. soft, to, like maybe for a right. scramble. Right. But yeah, you you lemon from your backyard. So you first make you make soy milk with the soybeans, and I, when I do that, I save some of the soy milk because I figure oh, I can use this for other stuff. So uh, yeah, you make the soy milk, and then you heat it, and you add the coagulant, and it makes curds. And you scoop them out and you form a blob and you right. can buy these nice tofu presses but i don't even do that i i line a colander 
You could use a right. sieve too, uh, with thin cloth and I pour the curds in and I twist them up into a ball and then I put them back in the colander and put a heavy weight on top and I get a nice little kind of like a thick disc of tofu. And what do you but, do with the uh, whatever is left? Uh, I guess yeah, the yeah. And the pulp of the soy milk and the uh, also the, the, the whey. I don't know what the soy whey uh, oh, the juice. Yeah, so if I make, uh, I have to figure out what to do with, with that whey. Um, I don't know what to do with that. I've heard some I people if you use could... it to water the garden. <laughs> I guess you could do that. Yeah, because I mean, if you if you make with cheese making, you can you can bake with the whey. But I don't know if you want to bake with the whey from tofu. I'll have to try it. Um, but the when you make tofu, you get you get a little bit of tofu and a big amount of the okara. I mean, that's that's for me. That's the challenge when I make tofu. Absolutely. It's like, oh my god, what am I gonna do with this? <laughs> but I I like to put it in granola. That is it's a, good a idea. quick, yeah, it's quick and easy. So if I make granola, usually I make a double batch of granola and I put six cups of oats and then nuts and coconut and what else? Fruit at the end after I've baked it. But, um, and then I'll, if I make a double batch, I'll put a couple of cups of okara in. And that is a great idea. Then you don't have to do anything because I've also made biscotti, which tastes really good, but it's way more work. But this, yeah, just toss it in. That's um, another thing I've done with it is dehydrated it. Okay. And then uh, I run it through my Cuisinart, which isn't nearly as good as uh, what you have, the Vitamix. Vitamix. Yeah, yeah. That would probably grind it down really finely. My Cuisinart leaves it sort of the texture of breadcrumbs after I dehydrate it. And then right. I use that instead of breadcrumbs. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, and that that uses it all, and it shrinks it down. It must be a, a quarter, maybe less than that. I mean, it, right? You have way less if you dehydrate it by getting rid of the water weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but sure. you know, that's more work than just making granola. I found when I I'm I don't drink very much soy milk, but for a while I was having a lot of um, daily uh, overnight oats. And so I was using more soy milk. So I started making my own soy milk and I have soybeans. And I found that the key was to have a routine and a process Yeah. Mm -hmm. where I knew for sure I was going to get all that okara, but the okara would go in the waffles. And if I made waffles or pancakes, like in that same week, it was okay. But if something happened and I made the soy milk, but not the waffles, then my fridge would fill up with all the okara. And it yep. just feels like a crime to throw that away because basically it's the bulk yeah, yeah, yeah. Bean. Um, yeah, yeah. So when I make when I make tofu, I'm not just making tofu. I know. Oh, today I'm making tofu and the start of granola. Right. You have you to know, have those associations and those yep, 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 yep. habits that go together. Yeah, because right? otherwise, if it just if you just shove it in the back of the fridge, uh, it's just gonna yeah, it's gonna get wasted. Go uneaten, and and that's expensive too. Speaking of expensive, um, somebody asked about the cost, and we're very lucky here in Vancouver. We have two um, zero waste stores where, just like that rainbow place um, in San Francisco, where you bring your own containers, or they always have a, some supply of hand me downs that people have brought, and you can refill them. Uh, but somehow it, it, the cost seems to be more at the end of the day. Um, do you experience that? Do you feel that the zero waste lifestyle is maybe more expensive than it would be to do otherwise? Um, or do you have any tips to prevent that from happening? Well, some things cost more. Uh, down here, olive oil is more expensive in bulk than, than it is to buy a big jug of it. Um, a friend of mine supplies me with my olive oil. She gets me half gallon jugs in Napa. There's a fantastic company up there. Um, and I can reuse the jugs or give them away because they're nice. They're growlers. Are they right. called growlers? No, they're not. Are they growlers? Oh, the anyway. Growlers are the one with the flip top, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, right, right. Not a growler, uh, 
Well, anyway, some other thing for beer making. They're big. Yeah, they're big. <laughs> big jugs. Uh, so, yeah, you can't go bankrupt doing this. Uh, overall, I save money. So I tell people it's a package deal. The average American family of four spends $1,800 a year on food that goes uneaten. So I, I don't, you know, don't waste any food. So that saves a lot of money right there. Um, right. That also saves time because I don't have to shop as frequently. And, you know, time is money. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, you, you just do what you can. If, if say, chocolate chips cost five times more in bulk than... I mean, if they do, I'm saying if right. they do, then, yeah, I mean, people aren't going to do that. They, right, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think part of the problem might be um, those stores that are zero-waste stores tend to be um, more ethical in every way. Yep. And so yep, they yep, will not yep. have Absolutely. cashews that have been, you know, cut apart by people without protection that were receiving two cents a day. So the, if you buy the same amount of cashews there, they will be more expensive, but they're more expensive for a reason. Right, right. Yeah, maybe it's you need true. To fewer cashews. Yeah, 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 yeah. Online. That's true. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the challenges. Um, tell me, uh, and this is a challenging question in this day and age. Um, okay. But I, I would like you to give me some reasons to be hopeful. And, you know, we've talked about a lot of terrible things about how awful plastic pollution is and how it's everywhere and we're even drinking it. I mean, I think we've both read it's like even in mother's milk, there's microplastic, which is yeah, mind-boggling. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so are there some reasons to be hopeful about the future and what might those be? What are we doing that is maybe taking us in the right direction or at least some of us? Well, there's so much more awareness now than there was when we started. I remember if there was an article in the news about plastic, Mary Catherine and I would get all excited. Like, look, they mentioned plastic pollution in the New York Times today. And now it's every day and everyone knows what's going on. And, you know, the, the jig is up. And so I think there's a lot of pressure on companies to clean up their act. People are people are fed up and they're angry. And I think that's why we're seeing these changes now. It, it wouldn't have happened without a groundswell of people saying, you know, this is this is madness. This has to stop. And there are a bunch of bills in California, well, a bunch of laws now they passed in November and uh, to curb plastic pollution and help prevent greenwashing you know, the, the little arrows on the bottom of plastic containers, th those don't mean that an item is going to be recycled. They just indicate the type of plastic it's yeah, made of. So, yeah, yeah. so now in California, those will only be allowed on items that will be recycled. That is and, so awesome. Yeah, That's because great. what happens in California spreads. It's We're the fifth largest economy in the world. And if you want to do business here, then you're going to have to follow the laws. And so it will spread. And then there's on the, um, there's a ballot initiative that will be on the California ballot in the, the election this year. And that, if that passes, there will be something like a one cent tax on each piece of single use plastic that companies, yeah, something like that. Now, that is big oil and big plastic will throw tons of money at it to try to defeat it. And they'll scare people and say, oh, prices are going to go up. And yeah, it'll be terrible. <laughs> They're going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw this happen with the GMO bill. I actually made phone calls for that maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And it was just, it was this right to know law. People right. would be able to know if the food had GMOs in it um because people should be able to know what is in their food and they the big food they just killed it they spent so much money but if this passes you know it'll be huge there i, I don't think there's been a law like it in the u.s 
No, that so is that, fantastic. I mean, you know, one that, cent is more than the cost of the object. I, 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 I might be wrong about that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I read one. Maybe it's one. I should look it up. That's okay. I mean, the, I the might be wrong, but matters. it's a tax. It's a tax. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm Canadian. <laughs> I, I like the idea of a tax here. I mean, something well, serve a purpose, right? It's um, only, only regulation will stop this. Is the, because without regulation, a company that does the right thing is at a competitive disadvantage. And yeah, so and why would they the do it? On individuals to follow. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy. Thing. But yeah. it's, it's extremely difficult to, to make. It's not extremely difficult to live like that. That's not what I mean to say, but it puts the burden in an unfair place. Um, it, if we don't have the macro level incentives. It does, and it also, with with regulations, it will force people who don't care to to reduce their plastic, also. Totally. Or people who, I mean, maybe they. It's not that they don't care. Well, there are people who don't care, but there are also people who just don't realize just how bad the problem is. Or they're just too busy, and they have bigger problems. They're too to busy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, regulation. I mean, I think we need it all. We need individual change. But we really need change from the top for yeah. first to make sweeping change. Like we need we need to electrify the whole country. I mean, I'm 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 getting bids right now for a, a heat pump to replace our gas oh, furnace, great. which is really old and probably on its last legs. So, you know, I, I can afford to do that. They're expensive. <laughs> but I mean we can't have every we can't have the, the odd individual switch into a heat pump. Like we, no. we've got to have regulate, you know, got to have the federal government helping people make the change and, yeah. you know, providing tax incentives. program in uh, British Columbia right now to have people transition to heat pumps. Mm -hmm. so very exciting changes. I think we get, I think there's a tax break here, but right. um, there, the, yeah, yeah. So, anyway that's wonderful okay Anne marie i would love to make sure that uh anybody listening to this conversation can get a hold of you and participate in one of your workshops tell me a little bit about um what's happening for you in the coming um month or two or three months and how how can people join in this wonderful zero waste uh chef movement oh well thanks brigitte um <laughs> So my blog is zerowastechef.com with zero spelled out. And I have a bunch of events coming up for, for in April for Earth Month. Um, so those are all on my blog on my events page. I do one or two cooking workshops a month. So I do a free sourdough starter workshop every, every month or two. Uh, I haven't scheduled a new one because I have a lot of events coming up and um, I do fundraising workshops occasionally so I hope to plan more of those and it's it'll all be on on my blog and when I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Zero Waste Chef. That is great and people can get your book from the local library but if you find yep. yourself looking at it often i suggest that you buy it from your local bookstore can we have a look again at your oh sure yeah yeah here's the yeah it's yeah. it's plant it's not vegan it's plant forward there you but go lots lots of vegan options that is fantastic thank you so much for sharing that Marie. it's been a pleasure to have you today with me here in the vegan family kitchen and i look forward to seeing more of you in the future i think we uh we should do some cooking together. That would be yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's Good. make it happen. That'll be fun. All right. And I will put all those links uh, that we talked about in the show notes so people can click down. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you, Brigitte. Thank you for listening to this conversation between myself, your host, Brigitte Gem, and Anne-Marie Bonneau, the Zero Waste Chef. I am thankful that you are contemplating the possibility of reducing your waste, and I hope you will feel inspired 
to make some more changes perhaps in your life. One great way to reduce food waste and even packaging waste is to plan your meals and do some batch cooking and on weekends, for example. And I have a fantastic meal planning service called the Vegan Meal Plans. You can find them at veganfamilykitchen.com and then click on Meal Plans. I provide you with ideas of what to have for dinner along with full recipes, shopping lists, and strategies because everything in there is planned ahead to reduce the amount of work you will have to do in the kitchen and also the amount of waste that might result. I hope that will be a useful tool for you. And I also invite you to tune in again to the Vegan Family Kitchen podcast for more inspiring content to live a lifestyle that is gentler for the planet, gentler for your health, and of course, nicer to the animals. See you soon and keep on cooking.